0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Homefront History Podcast. Uh, this week it's uh, just me, as uh, Andy and Robbie are out elsewhere and uh, busy as always. But this week we've got a very special guest who's joining us, uh, and we're going to have a nice chat about uh, the wartime homefront. So this week we're joined by Jonathan Ware, who'll be covering uh, a very important aspect of the Second World War homefront with us today. How are you doing, Jonathan? You're right, mate? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, now I'm good. Ah, fantastic cool so do you want to give us a bit of an introduction to what we're going to be talking about today
1: well to be honest i'm normally quite a catacomb uh but yeah then what we're <laughs> going to do is uh, we're going to do 1940 going back in time to 38 and we're going to be looking mostly at post dunkirk kit challenges all that sort of good stuff uh relating to 53rd division and we go to, on holiday to northern ireland for this one
0: excellent that sounds uh that sounds absolutely cracking that yeah so um as we we're saying just before we started the podcast one of the things that i've not personally looked into is the supply situation in the uk of the home forces and this is something that jonathan's covered in a lot of detail and has done some fantastic twitter threads over on twitter about uh yeah about this very exact situation and yeah let's uh what what you got for us then mate okay so well we're gonna
1: roll it back in time and this is a to, to get to 1940 we have to start i mean if we really go back we go back well, pre-war, what's the role of the army? Uh, what's the role of the TA? We start slimming down the territorial army, so they get rid of infantry uh, battalions from brigades to get them better for mechanised warfare. Oh, right. Um, so that happens, I think, 36, 37. I'm, I'd kick myself for not knowing that right now, but that's life. Um, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and, yeah, and 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 in the run-up to war as well, we've had a big problem because in 32 or so, Baldwin goes, you know, uh, the bomb always gets through. Yeah, and there's this massive media campaign, and if you look at it, it is gigantic. And they've got there's air shows going on, and they're trying to recruit territorial army soldiers for HAA searchlights, oh. barrage balloons, and it becomes this huge problem because uh, mini- uh, well, the minister for Don Valley complains in 38 uh, about the sheer number of terriers being assigned as kite flyers. And when yep. I talk about terriers, I'm talking about the TA territorial TAs. army. Yeah, they earned the word, the name territorial army from territorial reserve after the First World War. Yeah, um, and uh, they're, they're, uh, this is the this is really their story. So nice. what you have is there was a huge push in the interwar period during rearmament that yeah. everyone's got to join. Either what's it? Daily Mail have a headline and it's air comes first.
0: Yes. Now, yeah.
1: That also means that when it comes to funding, that the army is not even, it's basically third or fourth or fifth.
0: Right. Um, Wow. So that's behind the the Air Force and the Navy then. And the Navy. And when it comes to personnel
1: selection, if you read up on it, uh, it sort of comes down to that all the best candidates are really going air, frankly, than the Navy. And the army gets the dregs. And there's lots of questions about, this later builds onto questions about special forces and modern militaries, how you assign your, your brain power. Uh, and where ah. that should go and it's, it becomes quite contentious and there's still yeah. these are relevant debates, debates to this day so the yeah. army basically usually gets the dregs now the ta is different because these are people who are joining up in their spare time and they're running around trying to play with guns yeah now there's a lot of i mean there's some disastrous incidents where like in cardiff loads of people join a heavy anti-aircraft regiment ends up getting to defend cardiff and there's yeah. huge community uh recruiting uh push uh, I saw someone recently put pictures of, you know, Britannia and join the TA with Britannia. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Sort of imagery carrying through. Um, and, and there isn't apparently one for Wales. I'm not convinced of that because there's loads of local campaigns and that means yeah. around your local community where you come from, how you identify. I mean, Wales has also been savaged by the recession. 25% of the population has left Wales. Wow. It's the biggest, biggest peacetime migration in Britain has occurred. Because of the uh, because of the uh, general strike leading to the slump,
0: so Wales is
1: economically pulverised by that. Um, And bizarrely, though, I mean, the fifty third recruiting area goes into Shropshire, and the divisional HQ is in um. I forget where it is now, but the different divisional HQ is in Shropshire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and when the war comes, the administrative centre for uh, Wales decided to be located in Cardiff, and there were lots of concerns about how Wales was being divided up. It's a very hard country to minis- uh, minis- yeah. uh, administer, manage. Yeah. If you look at modern Wales, a lot of these problems having Cardiff as the capital is not the best idea. Yeah, right um, down on the, the Well, Plackness gets annoyed by this; they get annoyed. But these have <laughs> debates going for decades, and they sort of affect the army though quite to an extent because right. people aren't expecting Wales to be hit from the air. You know, you're not thinking yeah. of that yeah now when it comes to why people join the ta loads of them are bored and there's a huge right right, poverty there's also in if if people here are really into like bolshevik history when 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 like various coal strikes going on in the 30s and stuff the and the 20s entire companies of ta soldiers are on strike so they just turn up and go and exercise the whole
0: oh wow yeah so it gives them
1: something to do when they're on strike (laughs) Yeah, and and people aren't really. It doesn't seem, if you look at local papers, it doesn't appear to be commentating on that, commented on at all, that you've got entire company loads of striking miners arming up when they're on strike, going over fields, training with weapons. Uh, This is not commented on. This is not seen as a problem. This is seen as vaguely useful in in some way. So anyway, the whole way through, though, the the TA itself does struggle still to get numbers in. There's a lot of interesting problems, like um, the territorial army, the TA units are managed by the territorial army associations. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a load of administrative mergers. I wasn't going to mention this, but it comes quite relevant. Yeah, there's a load of administrative mergers because of cost cutting. Um, so in Cardiff, uh, one or two of the Royal Engineer units go bankrupt and disband. <gasps> uh quite a lot of the officers stop taking pay from the TA in the in the 30s. Yeah, and those who stay, though, I mean, when you look at pedigree Royal Engineers, and I'm talking mm. genuine pedigree, and I'm going to use the H word and heroes, <laughs> yeah, like Bill Pritchard and stuff they stay and right. if you look at who serves and if you look at saint nazaire and other actions later in this war and the where the people come from what jobs their parents do and what careers they're moving into yeah. those are the people who stay with the ta in the
0: interwar period right and that's these, really interesting
1: yeah and and it, it's one of these interesting things because again most people don't look at look at the ta as a whole it's all sort of dismissed yeah. it's weekend soldiers and their the kit standards are terrible we will come to yeah. that i I'm trying to warm you up on this, but they, they do get they and there's the TAA's though have very little money, and to the extent yeah. that in Wales three of them, I think it's um it's the West Wales ones, including uh, Carmarthenshire, all merge into a free TAA of sort of three county organisation. Yeah. Right, so right. They'll be given new new lorries and stuff occasionally, but they won't have the money for garages. <laughs> so, it sounds about um, right, that doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's bonkers. And, and you get to this state where, I mean, I've read hundreds of letters and a lot of TAA records probably went in the bin. But I've read hundreds and hundreds of these damn things where you can see this disagreement because the unit saying we don't have money, we can't afford this. And they're trying to find local butchers or whatever to store it in. And then other people are saying, the well, the, the lorry is getting rusty now. And it, what was meant to be this prime piece of kit supplied yeah. by the war office is, is not going to waste. Um, by right. 38, 39, most of your World War One veterans they're, they're leaving by now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're being replaced by your your interwar officer, your interwar NCO. They get tra- a good training once a year or so, maybe at an annual camp where they yeah. may do an exercise or two. There's always a spike in recruiting, and they called them uh, the bucket and spade school. Right. So you'd <laughs> sign up because you've got two weeks paid holiday with the TA and then yeah. They quit afterwards, yeah. Um, but it's it, it, it's a it's a whole developing process. But the, the TA for me of the period is about community identity yeah. and people who wish to serve their country but also want to hold down a job, have a family life. Yeah, uh, and it does yeah. attract quite a diverse group of people. Um, yeah. uh, ultimately Cardiff will always be more diverse because uh, because it's got a higher um ethnic minority community. The Cardiff is mm. the most diverse place in the UK. Right. Uh, and it's why normally oh, cool. we end up with black soldiers in welsh units which doesn't get commented on and right. i won't get into, it, into, it, into it, photo record but it's there's some interesting bits that crop up nice. um so yeah but so in the run-up to war these units sort of race around and they're trying to get more done but they're, they're very hamstrung by lack of funding but yeah. by the time yeah. 37 comes round, things are moving forward but I'm now going to be dull. I'm going to talk about industrial capacity suddenly.
0: No, I, I think that it's all part of setting the context. So, yeah, I think um, yeah. what we've said already is just absolutely fantastic. But, yeah, getting this idea of how things were administered is obviously key to this study. And I think it's, um, along with a whole range of other stuff, is one of the things that's generally overlooked is logistics and admin and, uh, you know, procurement, essentially, isn't it? So, yeah, it sounds really good. Yeah. Is the sheer number of people
1: responsible for um, issuing kit and stuff yeah. is very small. And like I, in the peace war divisional establishments, I think they're about five or 10% of their wartime size, and that's pre war. Right. So your, your divisional HQ has a few clerks, your battalion may have, I think, one clerk, and a lot of them go unpaid. Yeah. So the merger of the three counties in South Wales was a way so they could try and employ a clerk and they eventually do have someone who's very good at paperwork. Yeah. The problem was because most units appear, most, most divisional units appear to use the TAAs, which by the way, if you're writing this stuff and you just focus on army records, you won't find the, these documents and understand how they work. And it's why with TA, I always say to people, it's way more complicated. This is not this is like <laughs> the Alpha Legion sort of stuff going into Yeah, it. yeah. So, so K, no, You get that. But the, the punchline was, was that when war breaks out, all those admin staff, they're hard to train, actually, finding right. the right parts right. and stuff. The, they're not coming through the militia recruit, the drafts. Yeah. yeah, They may be conscripted, but typists, people with analytical and just pen paper pushing skills are quite hard to find. Yeah. And they usually in the civilian back end of the TAA. Right. So these right. people are not then immediately able when war breaks out to be pushing forward. And I think there's some things where brigade commanders push for additional clerks and across multiple brigades they get one or two. Mm. Uh, Wales was deprioritised as a whole. The uh, head, uh, the administrative officer for Wales pushed for loads of bomb disposal NCOs and got, I think, four. I think it's two for one uh, South Wales, one for West Wales, one for North Wales. And that yeah. was it. Wow, and when it comes to bomb disposal, their casualty rate or of all personnel involved in the quieter areas is much higher percentage-wise because yeah. because of these sort of problems. uh Wales isn't seen as this priority. Also, you're looking at the range of German aircraft. Yeah. in Germany, it's not going to be a problem. And when the when the Welsh lift goes to Northern Ireland, that carries over. But right, the standard right. they have is is pretty bad. um Are there some great photographs? um I shouldn't. I can't really say the name of who it was, but I got to view brilliant private collection uh quite a few years ago by someone who's very accommodating. And in all the press cuttings their um uh their dad took uh you could see the they would in local Welsh papers put pictures of like uh Jim, sorry Jim Tim and Timmy signing up and joining the TA yeah and in the Royal Engineers units you see them wearing interwar denims. ah and it's nice there no there were no uh there were no uh service dress uniforms available yeah, yeah. um service dress also gets pretty ragged the Welsh Division doesn't completely move over to BD until mid-1941 or so. Right, it's so relatively late,
0: related. isn't it? Yeah.
1: Yeah, they, they kept service dressers, um a walking out dress, quite a few units did, but then they okay. found there was a problem with elitism and bullying, and it became that, oh, I've got the old uniform, therefore yeah. I'm... It's the only kit, um, yeah. and it, they... And there are then, uh, some units do pay out of their own pockets, though so they get funding or raise it somehow, uh, that soldiers will get one set of carefully tailored BD to fit them for walking out. Because yeah. commanding officers thought this was a joke. Their troops are looking like sacks of shit in wedding photos, and they thought it was yeah. not respectful to them. Yeah. Um, and a lot of this happens at quite a quite a low level. But before the war, in the run-up to war as well, they, the standard of stuff issued to the TA's pretty terrible mm. some units get a single brain gun carrier for familiarization all that gets <laughs> taken away for yeah. the BEF. Yeah. uh other units uh get some brain guns those get taken away for the bef oh. Oh, uh, actually word. to be honest i can tell you the story and the short of it is everything gets taken to the BEF.
0: yeah yeah
1: now in 90 i actually wrote this down because I've, I've got this massive huge a ton of uh, prose and text and stats. And <laughs> in nineteen, sorry, nineteen thirty nine, in November, most TA divisions are at twenty five percent of kit establishment. Wow. uh Radios. A lot of that doesn't come to much later. The, the problem was the British Army's the, the rearmament effort. If you look at industry, mm. is so complicated. Yeah. Developing a plane is fairly easy, and I'm, I'm going to upset the aviation. That <laughs> planes are fairly easy to develop if you look at their, the number of people involved.
0: Yeah. If you look yeah. at
1: naval kit as well, these systems are really well developed. The army had fought tooth and nail, and w- I mean, they never. Uh, Was it? It's only uh who is it? M- Miko can do the the design of thirty seven yeah. webbing as they really wanted.
0: Yeah, and so, they're an American company, aren't they? I think Miko as well. Uh, I, the, I'm not sure. I'm, sure. I'm never the original ch- one. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> us check. Let's check later. Um,
1: so you get this problem where they're trying to ramp up stuff and. They end up uh, issuing transitional webbing. So you yeah. get the 37 pouch attached to OA webbing. Oh, uh, right. Even the photos of 4th Battalion Welch Regiment with that, they they lack ankl- They These troops are lacking anklets. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's a real, it's a hodgepodge mix. But the short of it is they lack lots of kit. The interwar yeah. stuff is really exercises with wooden guns, shooting at flags. Oh um word. and there's, there's punchlines about that uh, there's a tactical problem they are given. how do you defend this bridge? And yeah. someone under says like I grab a wooden gun and get in my boots and fire from the uh from the from the uh you know the lace holes and I hold until <sighs> relief. He gets a, he gets a slap on the back for that one because the quality of the stuff they're getting. Service dress stocks have been worn out in about 38. They didn't really yeah. get new ones. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's it's a very rundown look. So when 1937 comes around and we imagine this modern British army, mm. well, we're thinking about the more regular BF, and even that takes quite a long time. If you look at units in France, they're using service dressed yeah. and 08 pattern webbing and stuff. Yeah, quite late on. Yeah, because
0: um, it's yeah. it's often said that at the outbreak of war, the British army is the only mechanized or completely mechanized army, isn't it? And, you know, I, I'm not 100% convinced on paper, maybe, but. You know, in practice, and especially in uh, in France, that's certainly not the case to a to a large degree.
1: And it's come at the cost of stripping out all the TA, right, and, right. And that's how they that's how they manage it. Uh, yeah. They they gut the TA, so the TA then run round and they buy loads of civil lorries, and they yeah. were buying civil lorries in '38, but in '39 their shortage is of paint and I, there are one or two accounts and i believe them genuine because if you look mm. at when they're written in the context where it's like people are in northern ireland seeing davies the butcher's lorry drive by with soldiers in it i'm not <laughs> i'm being quite serious wow um the paint shortages are that extreme and yeah. if we then look at the germans in normandy if you look at what's not being painted it's it's a lot of the lorries actually aren't being repainted and the right. wheels aren't getting, things like this and yeah. paint shortages it's a dull topic we don't talk about it
0: paint shortages yeah it's um I saw something recently about the war in Ukraine when it, when that kicked off. And it was a photo of some Russian insignia, which was really poorly made. And someone said that this is really, really simple. But if your army can't produce, you know, a piece, a patch of uh, an insignia patch, you know, to a high quality, then that hints at wider logistics issues. So it makes me think of uh, this situation with the paint and how that something as simple as that can be a uh, sign of wider logistics issues.
1: Yeah, it could, it could be. I mean, like um, a lot of the, the paints on a local level and, and also, I mean, like oh. some of the earliest insignia. I mean, it depends how quickly you're ordered to adopt insignia as well. Oh, that's uh, a good what, point. What, what yeah. that come from? When's that order gone through? Uh, yeah. That sort of stuff. And with the Welsh Division, they don't adopt theirs until 1940 and it's the the w shape which we're not actually sure what it is which is yeah. interesting that itself is an unclear point semi lost to history i think i know what it is but someone told yeah. me i'm wrong yeah. ah. i sort of have to agree no i have to agree from the sources actually there is i can believe it. it's x but the, the evidence for that is strong but the evidence for it not being that is also you know there's no there's no uh smoking gun ah uh, okay um, so when we look at the ta from what i've said you go well these units have eventually they do eventually in the run-up to 1939 the recruiting shoots up because everyone gets concerned it becomes apparent that the sort of any dealing with the nazis is becoming more difficult yeah at this time as well i mean there's a shift like drill halls uh interesting social hub. so Mm. we didn't read there's bbc news there's newspapers but a common feature of 1930s life where people went to loads of talks Right. Um, so you don't have the documentary availability and in the TAA minutes and oh yeah the TAA minutes cover amazing things but oh, uh, one cool. of the major draws to, to terrier life in Wales was because Wales was dry on Sundays you could drink in the TA hall
0: oh. yeah. so you
1: were <laughs> declared as places of ill repute and uh, it, it, there's a lot of uh, especially in North Wales uh, religious yeah. fervor against them and so the people who joined them were also dry, joining these organisations which are semi well militaristic from yeah. p- in a pacifist britain and there's no i mean the stomach for war is just not there anyone who yeah. says that war in 38 is talking absolute talk because they do not understand the british society which people are coming from um yeah. there is not the stomach for war the threat is seen as very abstract i mean why are we going to go fight in a foreign over czechoslovakia all this that's a long way it's a long way away the they're true because if you try and tell, say to someone now, hey, we're going to go to war over some ridiculous far flung place, you don't understand it, it's rather more removed. By yeah. 39, though, um, there's loads of public affairs talks. I mean, Penguin are pumping out loads of these paperbacks, and some of them are, are, are pro Nazi if, wow. if you read them. Try and, tra- you know, the little cheap Penguin paperbacks. Yeah, try yeah. Because tra- they're, they're selling wildly. Um, I bought wow. a copy of Mein Kampf. Few years ago, it's a British edition, and yeah. the reason I bought it is it was republished in 1939 about six times, <gasps> and this edition November 1940. Or no, no, it's not it's just before. I think it's, I think it's August 1939. Sorry, God. and you get this sense of looming dread, and they try to use the TA, the TA drill horse for more talks. Yeah. You know, let's have talks about foreign affairs. Let's get yeah. speakers in about in Germany, all this sort of stuff. And the public mood's hardened. There's a great Canadian memoir by Donald Duncan that mm. deals with him going to Germany, thinking it's great. He signs the letters Heil Hitler, and Fuck then moving God. away from that in the run yeah. up to thirty nine. He, and he's because he starts seeing the way that Jewish people are being treated. Yeah. He starts to see the the children are you know they're behaving and speaking a certain way. Wrong. And then a, a newspaper, when it comes to Munich, taps it as he buys a Coke. The newspaper says, oh, I have something to interest you. Pulls him close and says, my friend, this will lead to war. God. So, but yeah, we get there's interesting characters that crop up later in my book. But you can see this shift in attitude that really comes. Yeah, yeah. Um, And uh, the Munich crisis also really highlights the the army is woefully prepared for any coming crisis. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of scares and all this sort of stuff then. Um, and the journal, I mean, I write, The words I use is Hitler's all-encompassing societal mobilisation, but the Brits are still focusing on limited liability, which is going to be a naval blockade, an aerial bombing campaign, and a token ground force contribution. Yeah, Um, Yeah. it's basically kettling the Reich and allowing the economic economy to go to 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 the uh, you know to the scrapyard. Yeah. So after Munich, there's a huge change. You get a massive, you do get a big swelling of um, manpower and. The, I mean, the Spectator's quotes, one of the Spectator's columnists, because Spectator digitized loads of their old, loads of their old um, uh, editions, which means you can actually sort of follow the sort of almost Tory party journals thoughts yeah. relatively coherently. <laughs> um, and the quote was uh, in for 1938, because also there's been a push. <laughs> Those people join ARP. Because it's yeah. civil, uh, it's and auxiliary police. Because again, it's civil, Protect your communities, and this is across the UK. Yeah. The, the quote is with memories of Passchendaele still vivid in many minds. The difficulty of finding recruits for the Territorial Infantry is not hard to understand. Yeah. Because their dads have fought in the last war. Yeah. yeah and, exactly. Yeah. And and yeah. So 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 what then happens is the Horbalicia, who's the um, uh, Secretary of State for War. Yeah. So, I'll probably say that wrong at this moment in time. But anyway, um, they they start trying to push much larger recruiting in addition with the TAAs and Air Force associations, and they mm. organise like weeks of recruiting. Yeah. And they do marches, all sorts of stuff like this. And the TA by the end of 1938, oh 1st of October 1938, the yep. TA from basically rotting through the 1930s resorts they discussed expanding it flat out at times it's 91.8 wow. percent of overall establishment and it's got a deficiency of basically 140 officers and okay. fifteen thousand ors against one thousand four hundred officers and 44 <laughs> nearly forty-five thousand ors a year before wow so there's this so when you think of that now here comes the problem who's yeah. going to train these troops yes yeah now a yeah, lot of your first world war veterans have left and the first world the home guard does well out of this mm. now when we start looking at october 40 39 i know this is meant to be about 40 but we get to that that's fine the, yeah the, that's all right ta uh, when they do recruiting the in in swansea they they, they oh no sorry it's the Na- territorial army week is from the 18th to 20th october 1939 mm. and it's very passive so you'd think you know well Maybe some dramatic, but it's called defence, not defiance. That's ah, the slogan. Wow! It's 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 literally a cuddly blanket. It's it's reassuring. We're yeah. not provoking the Nazis. We're de, we're defending ourselves. We defend we're defending ourselves. Them. What yeah. is this anyway? So <laughs> so they go on, and there's um, I mean, there's huge air shows. There's reenactments. They burn down an Arab fort by accident, and people again, it's because we think of what the army's doing in the interwar period. It's colonial policing. Yeah, and anyone who says it doesn't—I mean, come on, this—it's it's in the manuals, people. It is, yeah, it's, it's, in, it's
0: in the manuals, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And you can tell my voice. much like, people can be upset by this, but it's sort of a fact. Um, <laughs> and probably she raced around the UK, opening loads of drill holes. And the drill holes themselves—some of them had rotted and fallen down in this bit. Oh, because a lot of them were corrugated iron. Oh, wow. So yeah. Anyway, anyway, so. Whenever I think
0: up. of uh, drill holes, I think of the magnificent stone built edifices, you know, and, uh, you know, really nice brick built complexes. But yeah, never, never considered that some of them were just tin huts. They're the ones which survive. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah.
1: And so, 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 uh, so, yeah. So as we come up to 39, I mean... When we think of the British Army, 37, 1937 is an important year because we see all this new kit, the boys' anti-tank yeah. rifle coming out, we see 37 pattern webbing, we yeah. see the British Army dating, and it lacking an entrenching tool is important because we are pushing towards very mobile warfare. Yes. We want yeah. mobile, modern doctrine, modern concepts, uh, integrated command and control. The British Army of this period is very forward-thinking. The industry yeah. is really lagging behind. Yeah, <laughs> um, we should have moderated things a little bit. Um, but yeah, our, our battalion structures do vary a bit across the division because there's there are quite a lot of gaps. But one of the biggest problems is who's going to train them. And mm. as the year goes on, so the new a few guns arrive, but they're still mostly using civilian cars as tanks, yeah. wooden guns, and waving flags as they run around fields and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. In 1939 comes the big thing, which is they declare. Uh, Chamberlain declares the home the home, sorry, the home guard, the territorial army will be doubled, and it's going to be doubled to an establishment of three hundred and forty thousand men to deter Hitler. Yeah. Now, now, oh, this sounds great, right? This sounds really. From now, if I said, you know, we're going to have three hundred and forty thousand troops, who oh, well, that's big. Yeah, it that sounds quite a impressive. Chunky boy, right? Yeah, it's chunky boy. But if yeah. if then you realise that you're going to have to break your divisions in half many of whom haven't been in for that long and haven't had proper training i yeah. did some i include some maths in my book it, it, it's something like maybe a top of 25 percent of personnel in a unit after duplication were were vaguely competent right wow because a lot of the exercises i mean if, you, if a, a terrier would be very good at field craft, up to yeah. company tactics they could do past that really not but then the more new people you drag in there's there's no uniforms as well, yeah. I mean, the, in, in from 1939 to 40, there are accounts of people parading for several weeks uh, and turning up in civilian clothing. God, but so, you know, this yeah. is
0: often associated with the Home Guard, this isn't it? In 1940, you know, this uh ragtag, you know, no uniforms, no equipment, you rarely hear about it happening with the you know, the actual. You know, armed forces uh, in 1939. That's really, really it doesn't, interesting. It doesn't make sense. And the reason mm. it doesn't
1: make sense is because photog- photographic record's terrible. Because yeah. who's are you really going to photo this? And there are some interesting snaps of there are some images like the one I referred to with the transitional webbing and stuff. Yeah, that point to it. But in terms yeah. of like doing a deep dive on this topic. It, it it most people most people overestimate what the TA are really kitted out with, and right. a lot of the guns. I mean, uh, some of the stuff here I found in uh, tiny local Welsh journal. Sometimes you right. fired up but a lot of guns are worn and they can't be safely fired. Wow. So you may say, "Oh, we've got like eighteen guns." Well, of the yeah. eighteen, you can use three and one, and the others need repairs and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. So the the decision to double the TA, I argue, is one of the most cataclysmic ones. And weirdly enough. It was this it was proposed in 37 or 38 originally. Yeah. It was yeah. rejected then. It's a last minute gesture yeah. by uh, by Chamberlain. After it now, I hunt my hunch is there's a daily telegraph article on the day of 28th, 29th March. Right. That right. says, why well, don't we double the TA? This was a plan before. It appears to be then, because if you look at Horbelisha and a load of other government ministers, yeah, they've all and I mean three days before. Uh, they've passed into law that the Militiamen Act's going through, and the Militiamen program's really successful.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: They go, they get trained up. 35,000 troops are basically conscripted in peacetime Britain. Conscription is very controversial anyway. Yeah. But when you look at who comes in as the initial NCOs in late 39, early 40, it's all militiamen. So some quite a lot of the uh... Welsh units get a load of cockneys in, and these cockneys <laughs> come in, and they rule the roost because they know what they're doing. They're fully yeah. trained. Um, they are trained army soldiers and they've they've had about six seven months in uniform but they've immersed it and they've really tackled it and with yeah. the political environment they commit themselves to their role so so yeah i mean the doubling of the ta so 53rd division then sets up 38 welsh division and yeah. they have a dual command structure for several months after war breaks out i won't go into this in too much detail but then is I, I could just swear for hours on the subject <laughs> it's disastrous
0: right, and, right.
1: So, so the so the maths are the maths are they each division that has to supply twenty five to fifty percent of their their nucleus to create a duplicate second line division, right. and then these persons further gutted. I'm going to really leap ahead now because That's when right. we get recorder industry comes in. So you know yeah. all those striking miners I told you about who really know what they're doing, yeah, and they've been training for years in the thirties, and they're the bedrock, their backbone of the years units, which have just had loads of new recruits <laughs> and volunteers come up in, they're all dragged back to the mine. <laughs> amazing
0: that's that's the just what you
1: want it savages the ta right it savages the TA. and and if you look at like um so yeah so one of the royal air daily mail quotes was if you're fit and near the 20s remember the air comes first yeah and so i have to stop laughing but the ta advertising is terrible because it's like from the shop, sh- from the office, shop and factory, from all walks of life, they come to stand shoulder to shoulder in the cause of freedom and
0: peace with honour.
1: Join the terriers today.
0: That's um, yeah, that's quite impressive. That isn't it? That that makes me want to sign up. <laughs> it's real. It's
1: real. And then, then, uh, and then, almost next to that, you have all AA guns to be manned day and night right yeah so it's soft hard soft hard and it's and you can see why people are going aa because they've been told oh shit you know the germans are going to flatten our cities they've seen guernica yeah the the descriptions when you read them of what we think is coming from the air is like you know nuclear holocaust level of wasteland yeah Being born or just destroying society the british army even said we don't want to fight another world war because the next one will be the end of the world wow and, all this, and that's in the 20s and all this is sort of bleeding through anyway
0: yeah
1: anyway sorry we're meant to get to
0: another one we're meant to get to another one that's right. that's so. alright hello uh, I hope
1: you enjoyed part one be sure to join us again for part two next week as always keep it home history you can follow us on Instagram Twitter and Facebook and thanks for
0: listening